I, I was never hesitant to leave an environment that I didn't feel like was for me and it it caused a lot of stress it caused a lot of pain and I didn't have a lot of friends I didn't have any friends really welcome to a brand new episode of the super more bros podcast hosted by your favorite brother duo I'm Mitch and I'm Matt where each week we bring you a dope guest or equip you with the skills to live life at the highest level. Yo, what is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode number two of the Super More Bros podcast. Again, excited to have y'all. Um, just going to be continuing where we left off in the last one, kind of sharing our story from you know, after high school on, Mitch went over to college. I made the decision not to go to college all the way up until quitting our nine to fives, going all in on the business. So that's really what we want to share today. Um, so Mitch, I think you should just pick up, you know, we were kind of talking about before the divorce. Um, and then, you know, you really pushing me into the gym. That's how I got my start. And then there was a period where, you know, you left for college and I was kind of stepping into high school at that time with us being five years apart. So talk about that, you know, leaving for college. What was that like? Walk us through that. Yeah, absolutely. And before we really jump in, I also just want to thank anybody who did listen to the first episode. We're going to really be picking up where we left off there, like he said. So if you haven't already listened to that one, go ahead and, and check that check that one out. Um, that one's more of a, the beginning of our story and our early, more early childhood and whatnot, all the way up through high school. And, and he'll be going through his high school experience uh, um, now. But yeah, after I mean, high school, you know, it was it, it, it was all right. It was you know, small town high school. You go through, um, you know, with all the same kids and whatnot. We were we had like three hundred in the graduating class, at least my class. Um, and, you know, I didn't know what I really wanted to do outside of, or after high school. I, you know, I just, it was the assumed next step that I should go to college. Not many people in our dad's side of the family, at least, had been to college. I mean, I don't even think any of them had, except for maybe our grandpa. Um, so, and everyone just expected more out of me because I, you know, I had gotten good grades in high school, you know. And, and done that and they just wanted me to, to see me be successful and I thought that was the next step and that's all I knew because you know all my friends were going to college um, you know and it was just the obvious next step for me but I didn't know where I wanted to go I wanted to play baseball but like we mentioned in the last one I mean <laughs> the baseball offers that I was dreaming of were still dreams <laughs> they weren't reality and so um, you know I had some small school D3 interest for me to play baseball there but I really wanted to go bigger and I knew that I did and my girlfriend at the time was going to Purdue University and everyone else was you know doing college um, you know the college walkthroughs or whatever college visits I should say during the senior year and I never did it so I was just holding out for baseball you know I'm just working on my baseball working on my baseball so I never visited anywhere, and I just blindly chose Purdue University up in northern Indiana as well. And um, for my major, I mean, I had no idea what I wanted to do at that point. So I ended up choosing actuarial science as my major, which is basically mathematics. It's um, For those who know, it's uh, running the statistics for like life insurance and stuff like that. You're basically a statistician. So that's what I initially chose just because they made a lot of money, and I wanted to 
I wanted to make a lot of money and be successful <laughs> in my future, and I was good at math. So I was like, oh, that sounds good. Um, but I was also trying out for the baseball team at Purdue. I I remember, um, you know, I was going to be walking on, and the tryout was the tryout was in like early September, but school started in early August, so I had a month of training there before I actually went to the tryout. And all summer leading up to this, I was training every single day. Like I had a job, I was doing, um, you know, moving boxes with the paper shredding company that I was working with, just the owner and I at the time. And uh, after, you know, I got done moving heavy-ass boxes all day, I went to the high school field and threw with our pitching coach, Elvis, who is just an incredible guy. Um, I love him to this day. I haven't seen him in a while, but, man, I'd do absolutely anything I could for him because he sacrificed hours of his day every single day of the summer to train with me, to long toss with me. He would be in there lifting with me. He would, you know, go through drills with me. We'd work on pitching and and uh, you know the individual pitches, working on my slider and all that type of stuff. So he just poured into me over that summer, and you know I was lifting every day, long tossing every day, working on working on myself. I knew I wanted to pitching was my best thing, and so I was working on that. Um, but yeah, the the walk on tryout wasn't until beginning of September, so I had about a month where I couldn't throw. Like I, you know, I had nobody to throw with. And here I am on a college campus and wanting to to try out for the baseball team. And, you know, when everybody gets to college, they're just trying to f- find friends and find parties. Like, that's really yeah. all it is. That's all it is in the very beginning because classes, you know, aren't doing anything yet. It's the, the welcome week for those who have been through college. You know what that's like. Uh, it's basically a party every day. But here I was, you know, trying to hit the gym once, maybe even twice a day. Um trying to find people to throw with. I ended up throwing with like one guy like two times who he, somehow I found him. He said he was trying out too. So I threw with him like twice, but he ended up going the fraternity route and, and never never really showed up at the tryout that I remember. So yeah, I went to that tryout. It was an interesting, interesting time. I tried out for both field, um, playing in the field and pitching. And we did, the first day was fielding and hitting, and the second day was pitching. So we, I tried out for outfield and infield, because I had played both, and I was like, why not? Like, I can do all of these things, so I might as well just just, just do it. So we, we did, caught some fly balls in the outfield, I remember, made some throws to third, throws to home, um, and I, I did really well. I was honestly one of the best, one of the best there. Took all my ground balls at shortstop, made great throws, did really well. My hitting was just average because I hadn't hit, hadn't hit since the previous season because I didn't plan on even trying out as a hitter. I was going to go full, full pitcher. And um, hitting was, it was still okay, you know, BP hitting. You can still hit some line drives and whatnot, but it wasn't anything special. So <laughs> did that, um, then came back the next day for pitching, got my warm-up in. You know how that goes, though. I, you know, I was trying to do my long ass warm up, and they're just, you know, let's go, let's go, let's go, put pushing people through. I mean, that's walk ons. Like there were kids that were dog shit out there, basically. Like the kids that didn't even need to be out there were still out there trying to do their thing, and and they were just trying to force people through because they didn't think anything. You know, we're not going to get anybody from this. Like they're just focused on their scholarship players, which obviously, you know, 
Makes yep. sense. So I got like 15 pitches, and that was it in the bullpen. And I remember um, I had hit I had hit 89 previously, but in that bullpen I topped out at like 85. I think is what they said. They're like, "Oh, your fastball is like 85," and I was like, I asked him if I could throw more pitches because I didn't get my full warm up that I was used to doing. And then I was like, you know, can I just throw a few more? they like, no. Nah. They just said no. They said no. The difference, because I told them, I said, I, I've hit 89 before, like, and uh, I can do way better than 85. Like, can I just get a few more pitches? And the coach was like, no, it's probably just the the uh, the v, or the uh, the gun, the radar gun. He said, you probably just had a different radar gun, and that's why you saw a, a higher number previously. But, no, you don't get any more throws. So, it was what it was, but... Um, Needless to say, I did I did not make it. They did they did ask me to come back. Um, he sent me an email after after that tryout. I think it was like the next week. Sent me an email and said we'd like you to come back for a fall scrimmage. And um, you know that doesn't mean you made the team or anything, but we'd just like to to see you you know scrimmage with us and see how you play. And um, you know I was like okay. He said we'll let you know when. We'll let you know the dates and times. So I responded back, I was like, okay, you know, ready. like I was ready, I was pumped, like that was my shot to get a chance to actually play against the guys who that they, you know, sent us offered a scholarship to. So, um, so I was just waiting on this email, waiting on this email, and it never came, and I never followed up. I at that point in my life, I didn't really understand the importance of following up and and being persistent in the things that you wanted and. I never followed up, and the email never came, so I, I just moved on and uh, just thought, well, I guess it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, for anybody listening, definitely follow up, especially if it's that important to you. I mean, that was my, <laughs> life, that was my lifelong dream to play Division One baseball. So, um, you know, if you have something important to you and there's a potential opportunity there, absolutely follow up one, two, three, four, five, six, however many times that it takes. And I, I learned that lesson from that experience. But... Um, ultimately, I'm glad it didn't work out because, you know, the path that I was on led me to here. So um, I ended up joining a fraternity and rushing a fraternity, and that was story for another podcast for sure. But um, towards the end of that first semester, going into college, um, I really just still wanted to play baseball. And so I called up Franklin College, the coach, D3 school that was – you know, really recruiting me previously and uh, said, I'd, I'd like to come play this semester. Like, I'd like to transfer at the semester and play this next season. And they were pumped because they really wanted me and I previously told them no. So he just responded and he was like, what number do you want? What jersey number do you want? Um, on that same phone call. So I told him my jersey number and um, told the fraternity and the Purdue that I was transferring schools. Transferred over to, to Franklin, got there. I started on February 1st, and our first game was at the end of February. And um, I took the current shortstop's position in those three weeks of practice. <laughs> he was a senior, too, going into his last season. And they literally moved him, sat him on the bench, and gave me the, gave me the start. We played in Florida, so it wasn't freezing cold. But, um, yeah, so played shortstop. That season, batted leadoff, but the school was just, 
not for me as a small school. It's basically like a repeat of high school, so I didn't really like it there. And uh, I was studying mathematics there, and their schooling just wasn't really up to par. You know, I was only there. I was only there to play baseball. I didn't really like baseball because it was a poor environment. Uh, the coach was just awful to be around. He was not a good coach. And, um, you know, schooling is a small private school, so it's more, way more expensive than a state school. And, uh, you know, the education was shit. So I was like, well, I'd like to, to transfer again. And that was a hard decision to make because I had to go into the coach's office and tell him I was quitting, tell him I was leaving. And, you know, he was trying to, I told him that it was money problems because at that time, like, I was paying for everything on my own. My debit card had actually got declined. Um, going out to eat with my friends, we went to Taco Bell, I remember it, and my card got declined. And thank God I had cash in my wallet. They offered to pay for me, of course, but I had cash in my wallet. I was like, no, nah, it must just be a card issue. Like, just played it off. But, uh, you know, I wasn't working while I was in school there and, and essentially ran out of money. So I told him it was a money problem, but I definitely could have figured that out if I really wanted to. But I blamed it on that and uh, said that I was, was leaving. I couldn't be at the school anymore. Um, and I called, I remember calling dad and calling mom and just telling him, like, I'm just going to move back home. Like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't want to be at the school anymore. It's a horrible environment for me, but this is not for me. The education is not for me. And uh, they said, well, you can come back home, but you're going to work. If you're not going to go to school, you're going to work. And uh, so I ended up enrolling in classes at the community college about 30 minutes away from our hometown. And uh, that's where I initially started studying finance specifically. Um, so I chose finance there. and. How I stumbled upon finance was I just, I was like, all right, I'm going to study business. I know I want to be in business eventually at some point in my life. Um, and I think I think finance would be the hardest area of business to learn outside of school. So I'll study finance. It sounds good. And uh, I ended up getting an internship at Cummins. Uh, it's the engine manufacturer like in the big Ram trucks. For anybody who's listening that's not familiar with this area, everyone around the Indiana area knows exactly who they are. But... Um, yeah, so I got an internship. I was working part-time, going to school full-time, driving back and forth from home to class. Um, and ultimately, I just knew that that wasn't for me either. I was getting, you know, I was getting A-pluses in all the classes. I wasn't doing, wasn't putting in any work. It was just like high school. Again, just the classes were so easy. I wasn't being challenged. I didn't feel like I was truly living up to the potential that I had. And, you know and showing my capabilities so here I am about to transfer again and uh, I'm sure everyone was tired of hearing the same same things from me but I was like this, <laughs> this place isn't for me this place isn't for me and um, I knew I had to get to somewhere that was more challenging and that would offer me better you know future opportunities so I decided to transfer to IU Bloomington um, after my sophomore year and I got into the Kelly School business there I was um, I didn't initially get into the Kelly School business. It took me a semester of, of getting like a 3.75 or higher to be accepted in. And I did that while I was working three days a week, still part-time at Cummins, which was an hour away from the campus of, of IU. 
So I was driving back and forth an hour each way, three days a week, working nine to five, and then I'd come back and take night classes at night. So I'd go, I'd have to leave at like 7 a.m., drive to, to my nine to five, then I would drive back home afterwards. I'd get like sushi at the Kroger and I'd head straight to my night class. And uh, some of the nights I had one class, some of the nights I had two classes and I'd sit through class until like 9, 9.30 p.m. And then I would, you know, go back to my dorm and go to sleep and do it all over again. So, um, or if I, you know, I didn't always make it to the gym, but if I did make it to the gym, it was 10, 10.30 p.m lifts i was taking taking fucking dry pre-workout at 10 30 at night <laughs> going over to the gym uh <laughs> and wasn't good for my sleep of course but you know you gotta do what you gotta do at that point <laughs> so i was grinding that out i did that for a year got got into the kelly school business that way um and then i ended up i ended up uh quitting cummins i ended up turning down a internship offer so I, I worked there for almost two years, and at the end of one summer, I can't remember which summer it was, but I just told them like I couldn't balance this anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't make it work. And uh, so they were like, okay, you know, you don't have to work during the school year, which I was doing, but uh, we'll offer you a, a summer internship uh, next summer. And um, you know, on the outside looking in, it was probably what everybody wanted. I mean, people begged for jobs at Cummins, you know, even at where I was at IU and at other campuses, you know, around the country, people begged for jobs there. And they offered me a, an internship making like $3,200 a month with paid housing down in Nashville, Tennessee, like big name city, you know, paid, paid housing. I was making pretty good money for an intern. Um, yeah. you know, especially considering you don't have to pay for housing and it seemed like it was the, the perfect offer like yeah of course like what this is a great company you know this is um you know a great offer it's in a big name city like i can go down there party be, be somewhere that i've never been you know that's just what the outside looking in looked like but i ended up turning it down because i told my told my boss who i still communicate with this to this day is a great guy but that's again a story for a different time um i told him i was like this is not for me like, I just, I told him, I was like, I can't, this is not what I want to do for the next 40 years of my life. And, uh, you know, retire at 60 and, and right off into the sunset at that point. I was like, I, this is not for me. I've experienced this for two years and I, and I see the people that are above me, um, you know, one, two, three levels. And this is just not for me. Like I had even, I had even managed to network with the guy who was four levels above me. He was in that. He was the director of the entire department. He offered to get coffee with me one day. I spoke to him for like over an hour. Like he had a good relationship. He was like, you know, anything you need, let me know. Blah blah blah. And um, turned it all down. Turned it all down. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I just knew that that was not for me. And and I've always been that type of person to just, uh, you know, do my own thing. I just could tell, you know, from transferring schools and following what I thought that I wanted, like, I, I was never hesitant to leave an environment that I didn't feel like was for me, and it, it caused a lot of stress, it caused a lot of pain, and I didn't have a lot of friends, I didn't have any friends, really, you know, going from school to school to school, like, you can't maintain relationships that way, and, um, 
it was just part of it. You know, I knew that the places I was weren't for me. So, um, yeah, turned that down. Ended up spending the rest of my college career, you know, at IU. Uh, got pretty good grades there. And um, outside of school, I, or after school, I was looking for jobs. And I got a job in Indy, which, you know, we can go into more. But I know I've been talking for a while. So I'll, <laughs> let, you, I'll let you chime in here and uh, give your, you know, piece of the story after, you know, where we left off in the first podcast. Or if you have any follow-up questions, you can ask Yeah, me. I'm just... I'm just truly oblivious to how did I, how did I miss all this? Like, <laughs> like I, I knew you made these moves from college to college to job to Cummins. Like, but I didn't know about the, you know, I was so young. I just, I didn't hear about the conversations that went behind it. I didn't hear the motions or perspective. I didn't hear the opportunities, you know, even in Nashville with Cummins I knew you had an opportunity with Cummins beyond what you had been doing, but I didn't know the extent of any of this. So it's just, it's kind of like me hearing it for the first time. Like, yeah, I knew it, but I didn't really know it. You know, I was living it, but I didn't, I didn't really know. And I feel like you just transferring schools was just like a part of it. Like, I guess now, like most people don't do that. Now I realize that. But at the time I was just like, oh, he's just, it's just what he's doing. You know, it's just his next step. Like, I just thought that was like just the next step. Um, but no, this is now hearing all this is pretty interesting for me, but, but I remember, um, you know, when you left for Purdue, that was, that was tough on me. That was really hard for me. Like when you left, I remember I was in the backseat of the van and I, I like cried. Like I was so sad that you were leaving. Like, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. You know, I don't remember much of what I was thinking, but I remember going up, moving you in, whatever, going out, getting dinner and then leaving you know, mom and dad came in separate cars. We leave, and I think dad left early, and then we went to get dinner with mom. And, you know, on the way back, I'm, like, I'm like crying in the car, like, because I just lost my best friend. You know, you're two, three, three hours away from me at that time. So I remember those emotions that I felt then. And then, again, I don't even know. I remember going and watching you play baseball at Franklin. I remember that, just freezing fucking cold. Those were, games were terrible. <laughs> um and then, you know, you transfer into that community college and coming back home. I remember that period of time, which I was happy. I was happy you were back. I didn't, you know, I, I knew community college, IUPUC, because that time I was getting older. It's probably my sophomore, junior year. So I knew, like, looking at colleges, I knew, like, okay, he's going to this, you know, BS community college. Like, this isn't ideal. But, you know, I was still happy that you were back. Um, and then, yeah, you go into eventually IU. That was that was huge. You know, we loved that, becoming big Hoosier fans. So I loved that. And then I remember even, like I talked about before, you know, making fun of you for not going out and partying. And, and now hearing, like, you were just 18-hour work days, basically. You know, while the sun was up, you were doing something. Class, work, gym, something, pre-workout, scooping it, dry scooping it, whatever. So that's crazy. Crazy to hear it all, honestly. I was just soaking that all in. But my kind of experience when you left, you know, that's when it was I had to kind of figure out what I was going to do, who I was going to become. You know, at the time I didn't know this, but now looking back I can see that's what was happening. And there was a lot of things like, not that I did that were terrible, but it was like I didn't want you to find out some of the stuff that I was doing rather than mom or dad. Like I didn't care if mom or dad found out, but if you found out like, 
you know, you would get like so disappointed in me. I felt like because you were pushing me to be be so so good from such a young age, and then like if I was even like skipping workouts or drinking or whatever, you know, I, I just never wanted you to know those things. And I felt like we never knew about each other's what we were doing. Like if you ever went drinking in high school, I never knew about it. Same thing for me. If I was drinking, you probably assumed I was, but you know, I felt like I just wanted to keep that at distance and. So I was really trying to figure out who I was. I was still pushing, though. You know, I was pushing in classes. I was taking the hard hard classes. You know, freshman, sophomore, junior year, I was taking the, every class that you could because college was it for me. I was going to college. Like, if you would have told me at 16 that, hey, you're not going to go to college, I would have said, like, you're fucking crazy. I will go to college. Like, <laughs> no way. Like, no way I throw my life away in the next two years and not go to college. Like, throw if you would have told me that – like, if you'd have told me that at 16, I think I would have actually had that answer for you. I think I would have said, no way, I throw my life away. Like, like no way. And so, you know, and then I remember senior year, um, you know, we're getting ready for a baseball season. Obviously, I didn't have really, like, kind of the same spot as you with college baseball. I was probably going to have to, if I wanted to go to a big school, walk on, or probably going to end up just going to a small school just because, um, but yeah, senior year, and then COVID just canceled everything for me. We didn't even have one one official practice. Like, we didn't have one single practice where we were officially in pants, like, on the field. Like, we had the, you know, victory field challenge where we were working out. But I remember a coach, he came in the locker room, and I remember one kid had gotten suspended for smoking weed. And so coach comes in the locker room, and he goes, I think the season's going to be done. And and I said, oh, for, for that kid, like I was talking, I'm not going to say his name, I guess, but I was talking about that kid specifically because I was like, oh, for that kid? And he was like, no, for all of us. And I was like, hey, coach, what are you talking about? Like, no way the season's going to be done. And he was like, yeah, with this COVID. And he started talking about like what he'd heard on the news or whatever and what he'd heard, like, because, you know, like they were keeping coaches in touch, I guess, or in the loop, I guess. So he started talking about what he had heard and said, like, there will be a decision made. And that was on a Thursday, and he gave us the Friday off. He said, I'll give you the Friday off, come back Mondays. Monday's when the season starts. And over the weekend, that's when we heard, like, you're not going to step on the field one, like, one time, like the season's done. Tiger season canceled. And I was shattered. I was completely shattered. Um, I remember just sitting in the shower, just crying for like a couple hours. Like, I had no idea, you know, baseball was my entire identity. That was what I was going to do. College was going to be, I was going to major in baseball and, Probably minor in partying, I don't know. But <laughs> baseball was everything from, you know, ever since I could walk, I'd been playing travel baseball from basically Wednesday through Sunday. Like baseball was everything. So I remember he said, you know, he comes in, it's canceled. And then it was just like, wow. So what I did is I got a job landscaping with our uncle, you know, Brent. I got a job landscaping with our uncle, and I was mowing because our school got canceled too. So they said no in-person classes. You're completely online. And I said, fuck that. I just stopped showing up. Like, I was, I was done. I, st- I did not get on one online class. Did not join a single Zoom class. Did not tune into anything. And I just went and started mowing for 12 hours a day. I was working sun up to sun down, basically. And then I was hitting the gym afterwards. Um, and that was kind of when my transformation started. Because once high school baseball got canceled, I just started partying a lot. Like, it was just Wednesday next party. We were... We were just drinking on the weekends. I mean, that's just what you did. I don't want to say I had, like, a problem with alcohol. That's just what everyone was doing. 
you know, school's canceled. You basically had an extended summer. Baseball was done for me, so it's just like, fuck it. Like, what am I going to do now? Started partying a ton. So, and then I got the job working. Stopped going to any school because it went all online. Stopped doing any of that. Um, started, I was drinking even more. And then I kind of cut that out when we started making that transformation. Uh, you know, I cut that out and started hitting the gym hard. But, I mean, I was working 12 hours, six days a week on the lawns. I mean, I was killing it. Like, I was sun up, sun down, just just grinding. But I still didn't know where I was going. You know, I had no idea what the future was going to look like. But I've always been someone who can really focus on the present. Like, it's hard for me to see the future. But I have really emotional ties to what's happening now. So, like, I didn't care. Like, I didn't care. I wasn't searching for colleges. I wasn't putting in applications. I wasn't applying for financial aid. I did not care about any of that. Everything everyone was telling me to do, did not care. I was literally just focused on how could I make these lawns that I was mowing look the best, which I got really, I got really fucking good, you know. And so I'm just mowing these lawns, mowing these lawns, hitting the gym at night, seeing pretty good results. And this was on one of your programs. And this is kind of how I got started with my career, I guess. This is the very beginning. You had written me that, you know, that $5, $10 program, whatever I sold it for. Um, and so I was hitting this program. I started seeing some results, and I was posting a bunch on Snapchat. And so I had a couple people, like, slide up on my Snapchat story, and they were like, you know, like, you got a program for sale? Like, what's, what's, the, what's the deal? So I remember texting you, and I was like, hey, I think we should sell this thing. And you were like, go ahead. You're like, sell it. I don't care. Keep the money. And I was like, okay, cool. So I started slanging programs like it was, I mean, any of that. You know, I just started slanging it like I was a drug dealer, but with workout programs. <laughs> and I remember, like, I was taking, like, I had people coming to the gym to work out with me late at night. Like, I had a group of people coming. And, you know, I always started selling 5 bucks, 10 bucks. I was wheeling and dealing, offering discounts, posting transformations on Instagram. Like, I was really getting into all of this, and I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I was just doing what I thought was kind of instinctual. How can I sell this program? And so, you know, I'm wheeling and dealing this program. People, I remember, I was even worried about people scamming me. Like, if I send it to one person and they share it to another, like, I started worrying about that because that started happening. <laughs> and so, like, I was worried about that. I didn't know how to fix it, but I would just call people out because people would tell me. They'd be like, hey, he asked for it for free. I'd go straight to that guy and be like, bro, like, just get the program. It's only five bucks. Like, <laughs> like what the hell, you know? So I started selling these programs, and that's really how I got my start into what I do now is just selling the programs. And then, you know, the whole college decision came around. It was like, are you going to go to college? Or are you not going to go to college? It kind of was time. And so I, I was like, all right, I'm going to IU. You had went to IU. I'd been following you all along. Why not just follow you to, to IU? Majoring in business. I was just going to do a basic business. And then the more I sat on that, it just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel right at all. And I didn't have any of the societal pressure of go to college. Like, I didn't feel that at all. I feel like I was literally just so focused on mowing the lawns and lifting weights that it, I didn't care what was going on around me. So I got so focused on that. I was going to IU, backed out of that, was coming up to Indy where you are. I was like, oh, this will be great. I'll be up in Indy with you. Great scene. You know, that'll be perfect. And then you and I had kind of decided, you know, okay, you can work part-time, go to class part-time, and live with me. You and I can get an apartment together, and you were going to make me pay a very small amount. So I was like, perfect. This sounds great. You know, we're back living together. 
doing our thing, joining IVB. You had introduced me to Zach on Twitter, joining IVB. And I was like, okay, cool. So summer after I graduated high school, I started driving up to IVB a couple times, you know, maybe a week, once a week, just about to get the deadlifts in. I was driving up, and it was probably like an hour and a half drive up to IVB to get the training sessions in. And then it came time to commit to school, backed out again, made the decision, you know, told mom and dad, like, I'm not going to school. And it was two separate conversations with both our parents, you know, one with mom, one with dad. And they both hit me with the same line right after of, you're not going to be successful. And it was two separate conversations, same response, you're not going to be successful. And that just really put the chip on my shoulder. It was just a, like a, a fuck you, I, I'm going to show you moment for me. And so then, you know, I had to figure it out getting a job. I, you know, I moved up. I didn't have much money. I didn't have really any money. I'd blown all the money I'd worked for mowing. I wasn't making any money at all, really. And so I was moving up. And, you know, rent was about to start coming. Um, so I remember I, you know, Bob, Mitch's best friend, for those that don't know, Bob, he was like, I can hook you up with a job. He had a, a sales job downtown Indy. He was like, I can hook you up with an entry-level position here. Um, they can definitely find something for you to do around here. And I was like, perfect. And I didn't apply. I applied for Target. And I think I fucked up the application because I didn't get accepted. <laughs> didn't even get an interview at Target. And I was like, what the hell? It's Target. Like, how could you not? Didn't even get an interview at Target. So it was like moving day. And I was ride or die on this one job with Bob. Yeah. And I got the job somehow. Like, and after I, I worked there, I remember after I worked there, yeah, I, yeah. I remember, I remember you were creating your uh, your resume. You were, you were asking me for. I didn't create the fucking resume. <laughs> was, no, no, no. I that resume was from a high school project. Hold on, hold on. It was the worst thing I'd ever seen in my life. Like, I guess it's hard for me to say that because I went through like all this fucking resume training. Like we had a class. Where yeah, we, get the like, fuck out of here. We, we had a class where we built out our resumes at IU. Like, you know how that shit goes. This game college. Like, but, um, yeah, I remember you said this to me and it was like mowed, mowed lawns for three months. Like that was it. Like mowed lawns for three months. And, like it was a one line. Like, and then the other was like captain of the baseball team. It was like nothing. Yeah. It was like all blank, basically in, like two lines of just like mowed lawns, <laughs> captain well, of the baseball team. And that was literally it. And I was like, fuck, like there was nothing we could do though. Like you didn't have a resume. You didn't have anything. No. And the only way I'd put that resume together was because of a project, a class project. And I did it like 10 minutes before, like before class started. I like sprinted to class, got in there, took the template that they had sent, and basically just scammed in my shit real quick. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I did with all my homework, basically. But So I scammed in my shit. Bob's like, yo, send me your resume over. I'll get it hooked up with someone. So I just fucking emailed it. I didn't even think twice, dude. Did not think twice. And this, you know, this just had to be God working. Like, oh, yeah. I send the shittiest resume over. I get on this this message. This, it was a phone call interview. And I remember you had told me, like, ask them questions. You're like, have questions ready for them. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So we, you and I, like, schemed up a couple questions. <laughs> and it was just a recruiter lady. And she's like, you know, where do you want to be in 10 years? What's your 10-year plan? And she she's usually talking to people who are you know professionals let's say and she's just talking to me and i'm like i want to be a business owner in 10 years that's what i told her and i was like i don't know what that looks like but i will be a business owner in 10 years 
So I told her on the phone, this first question she asked, where do you see yourself in 10 years? I was like, I will be a business owner. I don't know what it looks like, but I will. And she's like, oh, okay, like very ambitious. Like, I think she was making fun of me, like, being sarcastic as hell. Like, oh, very ambitious. Like, you know, so I go up for the in-person interview, and I remember these guys interviewing me. And it was a logistics company, like freight, shipping shit across the country. And he's like, so when you mowed the lawns, did you trim bushes too? <laughs> That's all they had to ask about, bro. You had no experience. You had nothing. Dude, I mean, you just he asked me that. You just came out of you're, you just came out of high school. I mean, like <laughs> he asked me that, and I'm I'm sitting here, and I'm not a stupid kid. Like, did you do landscaping too? <laughs> I was not stupid. I'm like, what? How does this relate? But I'm trying to give these fucking you know these answers. I'm trying to make everything sound good. So I'm like, yeah, we fucking did it all. Like mulching, landscape. Like I did everything, and um. And then I remember what I think really what attracted them is I had put on there like he asked me about like how much did you work? And I was like, oh, I was working so many hours because I was like six days a week, 12 hour days. And I think that's what attracted them because they didn't have very many people in the position and they were just looking for people who basically they could just burn out. Yeah. If they could get a year out of them, great. If they could get two years out of them, even better. They were just looking for they knew the turnover in this department was incredibly high. So they were just looking for guys that would come in, maybe work, you know, 60 to 80 hours a week. And if they burnt out in six months, they burnt out. It doesn't matter. We'll hire another guy. So that's what they were looking for. And so I remember that was like the main point of my interview. And then I had another phone call with like the, the head of HR. He called me and he was like, hey, like now when you he's like, I know you were working for your uncle. He goes, did you work that many hours because it was your uncle or did you work that many hours for the company? And I remember I said, I told him, I said, I worked that many hours because if I didn't, the next guy had to do even more. I said, if I didn't give the 80 hours, the next guy was having to do 160. Like, obviously the math isn't there, but that's what I said. Like, that was the general consensus of my answer. And that's like, the truth, too. Like, that's the truth. Like, I, I just know your experience working there and, like, you know, the, the work had to get done by somebody and it was just going to fall on someone else because the yards are need to get mowed and there were other yeah. like they just had all lazy people like our uncle wasn't lazy i mean he works like stupid hours but um, yeah all the other people are just lazy and so you had to pick that's up somewhere that's really why because it would have fallen on him because everyone else was lazy yeah. they're clocking out and they don't give a shit right. he was the only one that would stay after hours so it Kind of was because it wasn't my uncle, but at the same time, and he was just another guy in the company too, you know, it was going to fall on him. And so that's why I put in so many hours. And because, you know, I drove to the shop, got in the work truck and I was stuck in the work truck. I wasn't going home, like yeah. couldn't go back to my car until we were done mowing for the day, you know. Until he so, said it was time to go. Until he said it was time and he's my uncle, so didn't really have any pull. But, um, but I remember I told him that and then he was like, all right, like you're hired. See you in like two weeks. <laughs> And I remember, like, so then, like, I needed my first paycheck. I mean, you remember that. I was Venmoing you. My entire bank account I would sent to you via Venmo. Like, I Venmoed you in different increments. My entire bank account. I had 35 cents left in the account, still in the account. I switched banks after that. 35 cents left in the account. And I remember coming up, uh, finally moving in, like, sleeping on the couch, you know, Mom ordered me a bed. We were waiting on the mattress to come in. First, like, two weeks, I'm sleeping on our couch. And then I went for training. I worked a 9-to-5 for training, and then I had to work a second shift schedule. Eventually, 
1 p.m. to 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. That was terrible. But, but, yeah, so I remember 35 cents, moved up, finally got their first paycheck, felt a little more comfortable. You know, you were super, super lenient. It helped me out a lot with that. So, but, yeah, I just said, fuck college, got the job, was working 40 hours a week. Um, and it, it was crazy. Like, now looking back, like, I didn't question any of these decisions. I didn't contemplate any of this. I, I just thought it was the decision. Like, it wasn't, you're stupid. I didn't ever talk down on myself. I didn't ever think I was throwing my life away. I didn't think any of the shit that people were saying. And they were saying it. I was getting it a lot. But I just was like, it's just what I'm doing. Like, I didn't think, I didn't care about my future, I guess. It wasn't thinking about the future. I just knew at some point I'm going to be a business owner. That's what I knew. I had no idea what I wanted to do. But I knew, like, I'm going to own my own business. And I was really soaking up those guys on YouTube, you know, Max Tuning and Christian Guzman. And we knew, like, I was trying, I tried the whole vlog thing in high school. You remember that? Yeah. I recorded and posted five videos. And that's something that I hope, you know, picks back up for me one day. I know I just need to not be a bitch and just pick it up and do it. But, um, you know, five videos. And I got a shitload of hate for those. You know, I, imagine you're in high school and you're just picking up the camera and recording five videos. And all those guys who have made it on YouTube, you know, they talk about that. Talk about how they made it through that and still even experience that. You know, Max, he's 10 years in, and he's talking about how he still experiences that. So I would say that's a part of my life that I let other people kind of hold me back on. And it took a ton of time. Like, it took so much time. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. So it, it didn't, I didn't see, like, an outcome where that was real. Yeah. Not until now. But, yeah, like you said, oh, sure. yeah. Not a, it's just not necessarily a priority right in this moment. But I think it will pick back up. But. Yeah, dude. No, like just talk. Speaking to what you said about not like thinking twice about these decisions. Like, I, I'm, I think about it the exact same way. Like, I never, like all those moving colleges, colleges, like jobs, turning down, turning down the internship. Like that seemed like a great opportunity. You know, all of these things that happened. Like it just seemed like it was just the next move to make. It was just the next step. And so I just took that next step and it just never, you know, you were never thinking too far ahead, but you weren't even really thinking almost like it was just like, this is, this is my next step. Like I'm going to go do this. That sounds good. Yep. And now, okay, this is not good. I'm going to go do this now. Like, you know, and I'm just figuring it out. Like I'm just figuring it out and I'm not staying in the places where I don't feel are good environments for me. And uh, I think we both kind of have been the same in that from that perspective but um yeah just uh continuing with my perspective on it my side of the story and then i'll go into you know my job and then getting out of that event eventually but um yeah so you i remember you were really just like you said you were partying you were doing the doing the mowing thing and uh you were just considering your college decision you were talking to me about that a lot like you know, this is what I think I'm going to do. Like, but I'm not sure. Like, I just don't feel really good about it. And that's was like, I was like, dude, just come move in with me. Like, just come move in with me. Like, you know, it was kind of a way for us to pick back up where we had left off when I lived, when I was still like in high school or lived at home during college. Like, that's just what I viewed it as. Like, cause you know, we had lifted together. Like I got you in the gym. Like you said, I was always pushing you all that stuff. Like it just felt like, okay, this is, this is perfect because 
now we we don't have to go back and forth to mom's house and then go to dad's house and spend one week at each place and like live out of our fucking suitcases and never have consistency and never able to actually build solid routines but now you know this is all up to us like we're in control of our entire environment here and uh, I can get you I can get you out of that environment that you're in you know if you hadn't gone to school you'd be probably stuck in the hometown you know um, if you didn't move up with in with me so it just seemed yeah. like uh, the obvious move like we'll get a two-bedroom I told you I'll pay the difference or you paid the difference because I was already staying in a one-bedroom apartment anyways so I was like I'll pay the exact same that I'm paying now, but uh, you make up the difference for a two-bedroom, and we'll just we'll move in together. We broke broke the lease um, that I was in, moved into a two-bedroom together. Like you said, you were sleeping on the couch for a while because you didn't have a bed at the start of it till it came in. But uh, yeah, we just it just seemed like the obvious next steps, and we just continued to put one foot in front of the other. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and so then we first had that first opportunity to really control our own environment, and uh, it just felt really nice to just have our own space, our own closets, like, because we shared rooms, like, we shared rooms growing up. Once our parents got divorced, like, we were in the same room. We were sharing the same closet, we were sharing the same bathroom, like, we never got our own space, and uh, we're constantly moving our stuff back and forth. Like, this was the first opportunity where both of us could just... And, you know, and I moved schools, like, so many times to college, and then you move back for holidays, you move back for summers, like, I was constantly moving my shit, now yeah. it's, it's the first time where we can just be in one place, together, you know, have our own space, and not have to do, you know, deal with all the external bullshit that we had going on in our lives previously, and we can truly just focus on, like, now we can finally start to build our lives. Like, we can start to look forward. Yes. Yeah, you can get out of that kind of survival mode and you can get into this more mode of able to thrive and see future opportunities of like, now we can finally take out the noise, remove the, all the external BS, and we can truly just focus on building our lives. Like, this is truly the beginning of that. And, um, yeah. and, and yeah, that's what we did. But just going back to, to pick up where I left off <clears throat> with my story, um, you know, coming out of of college I uh, I had been following Zach Zach Hummel on I think it was Instagram at the time um, for a while like he had been posting ever since he opened IVB in 2016 and I think he was even posting before that um, before he even moved to Indianapolis he was over you know in the Ohio area West Virginia area um, and then he, he was working for Muscle Farm. He even made some trips down to Seymour, I remember, to the CrossFit gym. And I tried to, I DM'd him trying to meet up with him when I was like a senior in high school or something. Um, and he ended up, he was gone or whatever. Couldn't meet up that day. But, <clears throat> but um, yeah, so when I was coming out of school, like, I just looked at jobs in the Indy area. Because, you know, small town Indiana kid moving to the big city that's Indiana that's Indianapolis for for the people around here um in this area so I looked for jobs there I knew you know the gym IVB was there I knew I wanted to join the gym and um got ended up getting the job at, at Schwab Charles Schwab the big financial services firm um and I remember we went and looked at apartments together picked the first apartment <laughs> we looked we looked at others but 
picked the first apartment that we looked at. It was two minutes away from the gym. Like it, this was perfect. You know, this yep. is exactly what I needed. It was kind of in the ghetto, but I didn't care. Like, you know, I'm a single dude living by myself. I don't give a shit. It's two minutes away from the gym. Like, and it's 10 minutes away from my, from my work. So this is perfect. Um, for me. And I remember I moved off like January, 2020, um, graduated school, December, 2019. I lived at home for like that month in between, um, moved up January, 2020 and joined the gym like January 19th. I think it was 2020. I think I remember the exact date that I went in there for the first time. Cause it was like, it was like I was walking into my a dream gym or something you know like you follow on social media for so long and then you're finally at the front doors like you're at the front doors meeting the people that you have been seeing online and never met it's a surreal experience and i was um you know it's a story for another time but again but <clears throat> i joined the gym when i was the weakest that i had ever been like i hadn't been in the gym for the past like year and a half um and so i was like 160 pounds you know, hadn't lifted in so long. I was, I was afraid to go in there basically, but I just kept showing up. And, um, and this is the, this is the time where you did the, I want abs challenge yeah. January, 2020. Yeah. That's when I took the picture with you and started making my transformation that I made that I post on Twitter all the time. That was at the same time just for everyone listening. So they can kind of see the timeline for both of us. You moved to Indy. I'm still in the hometown, my senior year of high school. Yeah. You know, you do the I want abs challenge. You're joining IVB. I'm still in the hometown, you know, making my change, selling this program while you're growing and getting bigger at IVB. So I just wanted to put that in there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, so I'm working at Schwab. I was working four tens. I remember it was like 1030 to nine or something was my my schedule. And I was basically working customer service, taking phone calls all day. Like I had my financial uh, services, you know, um, licenses and whatnot, but is, you know, I'm taking phone calls. I'm answering investment related questions, but I'm also answering and helping people change their password. So like <laughs> me as an introvert, that just completely drained me doing that 10 hours, you know, four days a week. Um, and every single minute of our day was tracked. Like we had to log into the phone. We had to change our status on the phone. If we went to the bathroom, if we went to lunch, if we went to like do anything to fill up our water like we had every single second of our day was tracked and monitored and, and our manager would talk about it like you don't you're not if you're not taking enough phone calls your phone calls are too long you're you know doing it wasn't about helping the client like yeah they wanted you to help the client but they also wanted the metrics they just wanted the metrics and so it was like for me i was wanting to have more long-form conversations and actually help people and build relationships and make an impact and I, you know, I never spoke to the same person twice. I couldn't have long conversations, so I couldn't actually answer the questions the way that I wanted to for the people that needed help. Um, but um, yeah, all this time I'm doing that, going to IVB. I remember early on when I joined IVB, I was walking in after work one day because um, I had uh, my training my training for work during the month of January and February was nine to five. So I was going to the gym after that. <clears throat> and I was walking into the gym one day and Zach was walking out. And this was the first day that I had ever met him. And, um, I was just like, Hey bro, like just said something to him and introduced myself. And, um, he ended up coming back inside after, and, and 
talking to me for like five, ten minutes. He can't even remember much about it, but you know, he was just asking me questions, getting to know me. He was used to that kind of thing. You know, people yeah. following him on social media, coming to the gym, wanting to introduce themselves, having a conversation. I mean, we see that all the time now. So he took that time, you know, out of his day. He was about to leave, um, probably just finished up training, like ready to go get dinner, whatever. But uh, took the time to talk to me for that few minutes. And, um, yeah, nothing really came out of that. But I just kept coming to the gym, you know, being around the guys when they were in there I was in there um, I'd stay in there for as long as I as long as I needed to as long as they were in there just to have those extra conversations and uh, you know just be around just be around the guys be around the gym as much as I could ask questions I mean I had significant lifting knowledge going into it from my own personal experience and time that I had put in but uh, I knew that I just wanted to basically play dumb was my mindset like I'm gonna go in here I'm gonna play dumb and just ask as many questions as I can and try to build relationships and um, yeah I remember the first day I went to Saturday leg day I squatted 315 for one rep that was my one rep max <laughs> it's not terrible terrible but for me at the time it was terrible um, for us now definitely terrible yes exactly and so so yeah like I was everybody was deadlifting I had to squat because I couldn't deadlift with those guys yet like I wasn't there and uh, so I was in the squat rack and I did my 315 and when I wanted to deadlift I was off the platform I didn't even give a get a platform like they were training hard as shit for their uh, competitions they had coming up and so here I was just off on the mats like <laughs> had a different didn't have the deadlift bar just you know doing my own thing but I was still there like I just loved it I just loved being there and being a part of it um, and uh, eventually Zach, one day it was Zach was like, bro, you want to come to brunch with us afterwards? I was like, of course, like, of course. So yeah. go to brunch. I intentionally try to sit next to Zach and <laughs> have a conversation with him and, and just build that relationship. And obviously now we're uh, best friends, but, um, yeah, it all started with me just, you know, trying to be around as much as I could, ask questions, build that relationship. And, and, and here I am now, but, um, yeah, I worked at Schwab for, fuck, worked there for almost two years, from January 2020 until August 2021, um, and it was just draining me the whole time. Like I, I couldn't stand it. Um, it was, it was awful. And uh, you know, hanging around the people that we hang around now, that are in our network and the community of guys that you know, people listening to this may see on Twitter. It's uh, it's hard to keep your nine to five. <laughs> it's hard to keep your nine to five when you're around these type of people. And uh, I just remember Zach would always tell me like, "Bro, you got to quit your job so we can hang out more. You got to quit your job so we can hang out more." He would just always say that. And I was like, "Dude, like I can't. Like what? You know, I I don't know what I'm gonna do. All this stuff. Like I knew I wanted to start a um, planning business, but it just always seemed like it was so many steps away. Like I was." I didn't have experience, or I didn't have this, or it's just these barriers. The, the savings, or... Yeah, like, there was just always something for that year and a half of just, like, it's still not time yet. Like, I still just need to wait. I need to wait. I need to wait for the perfect moment is what I was waiting for. But, um, yeah, when I ended up quitting my job, it was far from the perfect moment, and, uh... <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty pretty funny to think about but 
I I think we. I mean, do we want to go into that? We're we're at like fifty four minutes now, so I don't know if we want to drag this on too long because I know you will uh, talk a little bit more about your story as well. So I think we just go into it. If we need to make it a two parter, we can. All right. Um. Well, let's jump back over to, to your story, and then we can come back because I've been yeah. rambling for a while. So. You can pick back up where you're part of this. Story. You're just kind of blue balls the audience with you working up to quitting your job. But all right. <laughs> exactly. Um, cliffhanger. Yeah, cliffhanger. He's working up to quit his job at the most inopportune time in his life as he had been waiting on the perfect time. But um, for me, you know, because we had been living together during this time. Uh, well, I moved up and you were still working at Schwab and I was working at, it's called Spot, downtown Indy. And we kind of had a similar schedule, but you were... 10 a.m. to like 9 p.m. or something. And I was 1 p.m. to 9:30, 10 p.m. to 10 p.m. basically. And I worked five days a week. You only worked four. But so I remember, you know, we would always kind of gym in the morning, prepping for that strongman comp. Gym in the morning, um, you know. Then we'd eat breakfast, and then you go to work. I'd have a little bit more time. And then I'd go to work, and then. You know, you got home from work probably 30 minutes before me, maybe, at night. And so we'd, you know, one of us would make dinner. We'd eat dinner together and then sleep and wake up and do it all over. It was just, you know, gym for strongman prep, breakfast, back to work. Like, it was just this cycle. And, you know, you're really only living for the weekend when you're doing that. That was that was it. You know, we were just so focused on really Saturday, Sundays when the time you could, only time you could do stuff, it felt like. And... Like you said, just super draining. I mean, for both of us, just draining both of us. And I remember the conversations we were having, even the days we get off work, like we both get back at night, super late. And we both had similar jobs, you know, with the call center. We were both answering the phone or I had to make outbound calls. You had inbounds. I had inbounds as well. But we're just on the phone for seven, eight hours a day, every single day. You maybe even more with your, you know, your 12 hour shifts. But just just on the phone, or 10-hour shifts, but on the phone the whole time. And that's just so taxing. You know, just sitting here having this hour-long podcast can be super draining when you get done. But imagine just a conversation with a random stranger over and over and over and over again. Just these shallow, surface-level, and oftentimes a negative occurrence. Because usually if they're calling into the call center, they need help with a problem. So you're just problem-solving negative shit. And for me, I was getting cussed out all the time because I had truck drivers that were stuck at facilities that, you know, it'd be Thanksgiving and you're like, sorry, dude, the facility's closed. Like, you can't go back to your family. Like, you're just not going to get empty, get unloaded at this facility. And imagine what you had to hear then. You're telling a truck driver he can't spend time with his family, like, on Thanksgiving? Like you're not getting the positive interaction with that guy. Like he's, he's going off, he's cussing you out. And as that kind of front line, I wasn't empowered at all. You know, I was an entry level guy. I couldn't send money. I couldn't really do anything. So I'm just sitting here on my heels, just trying to make false promises. And eventually like you just get so worn down that you just start lying to people. Like really, like that was the situation for me. Like, like, dude, I'm going to do everything I can to help you out. And then you hang up the phone and answer the next guy. Like you don't do anything to help him because, you know, I'd been, I'd worked there for like a year and a half and I just knew I can't help this guy. 
Like whatever the situation was, you knew. You had seen the situation so many times. You knew, okay, I can either help this guy by doing this or I just can't help this guy. And the same thing with our metrics. Like we had to keep our call times low. We had to answer as many calls as we could, like a certain number of calls. You had to make a certain number of calls out. Like we were just pumping these numbers and it, it was just so draining, just negative, negativity all day, all day, all day. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder how we stayed so positive because I felt like we, we, we did. Like I felt like, I think the one beneficial thing of a nine to five from entrepreneurship is when you clock out, you're out. Yes. Like, yeah, your energy is drained, but your mind is blank. Yes. Like, yeah, you can't really think about other stuff, but you don't have to think about anything. Like you can just go sit on your couch and just, just dead. You're just dead. But you don't have to think about a million things. Whereas entrepreneurship, you're like, oh, this got to be done then. This got to be done then. I need to do this. I need to do this for that client. Like you have a million things always going because, you know, you're, you're not getting the, the check on Friday. You know, Friday is that direct deposit didn't hit and it's all on your actions. It's all what's happening up here. Are you going to get it done or not? So that's the really one of the benefits of a nine to five um, is just when you clock out, you're done. And yeah, and I'll, I'll speak so, to I'll speak to the, yeah. the call experience as well. Go into it a little deeper, like like you're saying, truck drivers on Thanksgiving. I mean, I was dealing with people's money. You know, when people yeah. see their accounts dropping thousands of dollars. I mean, in March of 2020, I was on the phone. March of 2020 is when everything shut down. You know, COVID and all that shit happened. So the market tanked like the fastest it's ever tanked, um, ever. Like it was the fastest stock market crash in history. And um, the the markets were freezing. They were having um, uh, I can't even. They were hitting the uh, I can't even think of the word off the top of my head right now. But um, there's there's points in the stock market when they if they drop like X percent uh, in a certain day, they actually stop trading for like 15 minutes. And uh, that we were hitting these regularly because the market was just free falling. And so we had like days where we had people waiting on hold for two hours or more waiting to talk to someone waiting to talk to us in the call center when you have someone waiting for two fucking hours two good luck yeah they're waiting for two hours as they're seeing their account lose thousands of dollars they are and every minute they wait they're just getting more pissed yes like they are like it's their livelihood at stake they are getting so mad and so they come through just hot you know they come through right off and you just you just hung up with someone who was yelling at you and pissed off and now you gotta hit you gotta go back into for me it was available you gotta go back into available and you gotta fucking take on that next guy who's coming in with the same probably issue and uh, he's losing thousands of dollars been waiting for two hours and he is coming in hot ready to to just let it out on someone and, and it's uh, you you end up being that someone and we especially had problems when like the the website was down for schwab like and people couldn't trade in their accounts so now you have their accounts their trades are losing so much money and they can't even access the website or you know the trades that they're trying to put in aren't going through properly so we had to do like trade uh corrections and whatnot and account corrections but we can't do that until it gets reviewed in like two weeks later. We just put in the request and say like this person saying that he lost $80,000 on this trade because of a website malfunction. Like, And then another group has to go back and review it, but we it's not until like two weeks later that they actually see it through. So you have people who are just like, 
you're, you caused me to lose, you know, fucking $30,000 on this trade. Like, I, you will fix this. You will make my account whole. Like, just fucking yelling at you, and you're just like, we'll, we'll try. Like, you know, like, the financial industry is so regulated that you can't promise anybody anything. You, you could make false promises. We can't make false yeah. promises because I could lose my job. If they go back and review that call, and I promised that guy that we we would make this right for him and put the money back in his account, and we did it, I lose my job. I'm out. I'm fired. Just like that. So I can't. I have nothing to fix the issue. I just have to say, we'll put in the request and we'll review it, sir. Like you know. So yeah, yeah. I just kind of share a little bit more about the experiences that you know I had on the phone as well because these are just terrible and it's just draining experiences. It's just miserable. Like, you just know the next call, I'm done. Like, to the point where you are taking more shits than you've ever taken in your life just to get away from the fucking desk, man. Like, See, I couldn't. I couldn't. Like, we had a, a fixed amount of time that we could take breaks for. And if we took more breaks than that, we our numbers were off. And, they, and we didn't get, like, performance bonuses or we didn't get, you know, yeah. like, they gave us bad reviews or whatever. Well, I mean, and yours, like you said, it's way more higher level. You're dealing with money and stuff. I'm dealing with truck drivers. So we didn't have that kind of system in play, but there was still certain times you were supposed to take off. But I mean, dude, I was doing anything you can to get away from the desk. Like I'm, I'm running from the desk. And, you know, like I talked about earlier, we were understaffed. Like we were severely understaffed. So, I mean, and I'm answering emails, calls, making calls, like, just just absolutely exhausting, miserable experience to sum it up for anybody who's wondering what we went through for, I think, me, um, I don't know how long it was, definitely over a year, for you even longer than that, of just a, just a mentally draining, and when you're trying to build a business on the side of that, not only are we building a business, we're training, lifting heavy weights, trying to compete in a strongman competition, and then to fast forward a little bit, um, you know, I, to kind of pick up on my story, I... One day I'm in the gym at IVB. I start going after I move up. And again, you know, Zach, I mean, what a blessing he was for both of us. Um, you know, I see him in a gym one day and he, he, or he actually tweeted. He said, you know, I'm selling an hour of my time, basically an hour consultation, $200 an hour. And I'm like, fuck it. Like, fuck it. 200 bucks. Like all I got is money at this point. I got a full-time job and nothing else going for me. Really, all I got is money. Like, I'm getting strong, whatever. But so I, I fucking hit him up. I texted him. I was like, hey, I'm in $200 for the hour. I Venmo him that day. Like, he's like, all right, here's my Venmo. Like, there's no bullshit. I sent him the money. See him on that Saturday in the gym. And he's like, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, man, I'm trying to figure out what the fuck I want to do with my life. And he's like, well, what do you think is, like, the biggest problem holding you back? And I feel like everyone has this problem, you know, like money, like, I can't just quit my job and try to figure things out. Like I, I got bills and I had shit I had to pay for, you know, like I need money to live. And he's like, Oh, dude, like, we'll figure that out. Like, you know how he is. He's like, Oh, we'll figure that out. That's what he said. And I was like, okay, like, great. So we, he, uh, he had an office in broad ripple at the time above a Starbucks where he used to film his podcast. So we go in there and you know, he, you could tell he just kind of threw off the parameters of the one hour time limit. And he was like, let's just figure this out. And the first question he asked, he was just like, you know, what are you passionate about? And my immediate response was just fitness. I was like, I'm passionate about fitness. So he's got this huge whiteboard on the wall. He walks over, passion equals fitness at the top. And I still have a picture of this whiteboard. 
And, you know, this was the perfect guy to come to. Like, he's got the online business. He also owns a gym. Like, if you got a passion for fitness, there's no better person you can line up with than Zach Hummel. Like, this is the guy. And, so, I mean, just what a blessing to come up into that environment. You know, you getting the shoe in the door with him and tapping into the community and then, you know, eventually getting me in and, um, you know, and then just having that two-hour consult. And he goes, he goes, okay, you have to scale your job back. He goes, right now, you know, you're putting 40 hours towards a miserable job. Let's figure out your expenses. And at the time, you were helping me out. I had super low expenses. So he's like, all right, you have to spend like one grand a month or something. I don't know what it was. He goes, how many hours do you need to work at your job to make this just to cover your, just a break even? And I was like, we calculated it out, figured it out. And he's like, okay, scale your job back today. Because I was going to work right after that. He's like, scale your, he's like, go in and scale your job back today. And so that's exactly what I did. I walked in. I went straight to the director of my department. And I was like, hey, I got to have a conversation with you. We go in the office. We're talking. And I'm like, this is not an easy conversation for me. Because I felt like I was quitting on them. Like, I felt like I had got this huge opportunity. Because he had told me, he's like, we, we, you're the youngest guy in the company. We usually would never hire a guy like this. You have no experience. You've never even been on the phone. Like, you know, you have zero experience. We're taking a chance on you. And Bob, your best friend, had stuck his neck out. So I really felt bad because he was the reason I got hired. You know, he kept saying, like, you got to hire this guy. You got to hire this guy. So I went in, and I was like, I got to go part-time. And they didn't have part-time employees. I was the first ever one. Like, that's just not a position they even offered. Luckily, again, you know, God working with the right people in my life, this director, one of the you know best guys. I mean, obviously one of the best guys I ever worked for. I didn't work for very many people in my life, but you know, one of the best guys ever. One of the best guys I've ever met. Like just it, incredible dude. You know, after even working there for a year and a half, incredible guy. And he was like, you know what? He's like, we'll make it work. I told him. I was like, I'm young. I was like, I moved to the city to figure out what I want to do. And I was like, I feel like putting 40 hours a, a week in here. Like I, I have no time working the second shift. 1 p.m. to 10 p.m., like, the weekends is all you had. And I was like, how am I going to figure out what I want to do if I'm only, you know, looking around on the weekends? Whatever. I didn't know what I was saying. But that's what I told him. He was like, I get it. He was like, we'll figure it out. And he's like, if you want to come back full time. And he literally goes, email me the schedule you want. Dude, like, talk about God working, man. Like, this guy, he just says, no job, no corporate job does that like that's not what you do you abide to their schedule at their times and that's it yeah but like the thing is is you had to build up this courage because i remember you came home after your your console was zach and you're like bro like he told me i he told me i need to cut back my job like i have to go part-time at my job like i i like you were freaking out about it like you were nervous yeah. like that it is a hard conversation and i know it was really hard I told, and especially with bob you know he pulled for you so hard like he's so hard he's a good salesman at the company they really loved him um and he put his reputation on the line for you so it was a hard conversation but that just shows you that like you got to take that step like you have to take the step for god to work you know like people just yeah. think that god just opens up these fucking magical doors and like you just have all these opportunities to choose from without do, doing anything or taking action, but you had to overcome this anxiety and fear of going into this guy. You had only worked there for a few months. Yeah, wasn't long at all. You you only worked there for a few months or something like that, and um, you were already asking for less hours and scaling back to part time. But you had done a great job while you were there. Like you worked hard, 
you showed up on time. You you put, yeah. you know you put in the work. You did things the right way, and um, I think that also helped you. Uh, you know, helped them feel better about allowing you to have this more freedom, but still going in there to have that conversation took a lot of courage. Yeah, and I remember they cut my training short after because I was so outgoing. You know, I I could talk to anyone. That's my natural strength. Like I, I can talk to anyone. I can make friends with anyone. And that job only enhanced that. Like pick up values you have. If you want to become an entrepreneur and you have a nine to five, there's something you can take from this job. I guarantee it. If you're going to interact with people, that's a huge win. You should be capitalizing on that and really focusing on honing that skill of communication and relatability. And they cut my training short. And I remember like I hadn't even been there a month and they, they were basically fast tracking a promotion for me. Like they were just like, you're going to go straight into this training. You're going to get this promotion. And I asked for part-time hours so fast that I didn't even get to the promotion that they were already giving me. And thank God I never got to the promotion. Cause I feel like once I would have gotten to the promotion, you don't scale that promotion back. You know what I'm saying? Like the position they would have put me in. That's not when you scale back. Exactly. So, so I also want to bring this up cause I don't know if you will, you may we're going to or not, but, um, I just remember over that time, like, yeah, you went in and, and asked for part-time and they gave it to you and, and were working with you on that, which was an absolute blessing from God. But also you kept turning them down for more money, for more, for a promotion because the, everything that they wanted to give you was, um, you know, dependent on you coming back full time. And you just kept saying, yeah. no, like, this is not what I want to do. You know, they even offered you a job moving across the country in in Arizona, which is where I'm moving, and I had already planned on moving there. Like, it seemed like God was working, and you just continued to say no to all these opportunities to actually chase what you really wanted. Yeah, and, like, yeah, I had this – my boss above me and then the director, I mean, they love me. They absolutely love me, like, to the point where, you know, you go to these company outings. We went to Top Golf. The director, like, gets drunk, and he's – He's talking to me, oh, he's drunk, he's emotional, and he's just telling me, he's like, man, like, we, we really weren't going to hire you. For some reason, we did, and he's like, now you're, you're like the best guy we have. Like, now I was only working three days a week, and he's telling me this in front of everyone, like all my coworkers. Usually, you don't do that. You piss a lot of people off. You <laughs> tell somebody like that, and he, he just loves me. And um, so, yeah, they were offering me a bunch of promotions. I kept turning it down, turning it down. And, you know, even with Bob in my corner, you know, he, he could have pushed me for a promotion. He could have even hired me to work under him to help his team. And that would have been an easy end for me. He would have definitely done that because I, I was crushing it. I was absolutely crushing it. And so, you know, another lesson, if you're in a nine-to-five and you want to become an entrepreneur, don't blow your nine-to-five off. Number one, that corporate company or your nine-to-five, they may have connections and maybe it would help you down the road. Like, those are some people who have started a business at some point. Like, they've gotten to where they're at at some point and they're not just bullshit people you know these are people i could text today and they would they would help me out because i busted my ass because i did everything i could for them like i went in there and did the best fucking work i could i did not i took it serious you know but um just to keep keep moving forward you know i was just working there and then after zach we were doing this consultation with zach i was still in this consultation and he he said, I'm opening up an internship at IVB, and that wasn't a thing. I think he was just making that up. But he's like, I'm opening up an internship at IVB to become a trainer. And I was like, 
I'm in. Like, 100%, I'm in. So I go, I become an in-person trainer or an internship. And this was, you know, Zach was not paying me anything. I was just cleaning the toilets, cleaning the gym. And it, it honestly sucked. Like, it was, it was miserable. Waking up, training for a strongman competition, and then you got to clean the gym and then go to your 9 to 5 for eight hours, eight plus hours that are just draining you. Like, it was terrible. It was, it was absolutely miserable. Like, that's all you did. Wake up, train, clean, work, sleep, repeat. Like, just miserable, miserable, miserable. And then I got my first in-person client. This lady calls the gym, and I'm the only one there. She's like, hey, I'm on my way. Like, she just calls in. And, you know, usually no one really answered the phone. And no, I answer the no one ever. No, no, no. Like, I answered the phone and she was she was like, I, I'm on my way in. Like, it, but do you work there? And I was like, yeah, like I work there. And I was like, come on in. Like we could talk. She's like, I'm looking for training. And I was like, OK. And I I remember like when she was on her way, I'm texting you like, how much should I charge this lady? <laughs> like, what should I offer? Like, what do I ask her? What price? So I step in, she steps in the door. I'm like, hey, my name's Matt. Hey, nice to meet you. And I give her the tour of the gym. She signs up and she's like, I want to work with you. She's like, how much do you charge? I tell her a price. Boom, she takes it. She said, I expected double that. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, I could have I done double? Like, I was baffled, but I was so pumped, man. You remember that, dude. I mean, I was. I was so broke, and for her to do that, to come in that day, and, I mean, just God working again, you see that now. I mean, looking back, you can just tell, like, wow, God was really working for me there. So I get this first client, and that's when a little more belief was instilled in me, um, you know, and I got a couple online clients, and I had been scrapping for online clients in my corporate job, and it became where I knew, like, this corporate job is not for me. I, I I got that once I got the internship, like it started clicking to me and I knew like this corporate job is not for me, but I saw I can really build relationships. Like, so I started to do like, it was like I was walking in, like I said this on the last podcast, like NBA player coming into the stadium, the way I was high fiving everybody, like, what's up, bro? You're looking really good today. And what I found, you know, was I was pouring into my cup, the more I poured into other people. That's what really filled me up. And I really realized this. When you give someone a compliment, it it makes you happier than it makes them. And it really – because it makes people glow because people don't really get compliments anymore. You know, you walk in, and it's just not something that we do anymore. I feel like it's a very negative world. And when you step in, you're like, Mitch, you're looking fucking good today, dude. Like, damn, you've been hitting the gym? Like, you know they're hitting the gym. You know, you kind of give them the softball. You've been hitting the gym, bro? Like, you're looking good. And they're at a job that they hate too. If they're in the corporate world – 99% chance they don't like their job. So you can be a bright light in their day. And that's what I started doing. I started developing relationships left and right. And I mean, I was becoming friends with the entire office, basically. And I remember I picked up three clients in my corporate office. Just, just from the office, I had three clients. And that's when it kind of really hit me. I was like, okay, I'm in a small, you know, 200-person office. If I can pick up some clients here, what can I do with the, you know, 7 billion people in the world, basically? Like, there's so many more people out there. So then I got my first kind of online client that was away, um, Joe. You know Joe. You know, he lives over in Boston. He lived in Boston at the time. 
he DMs me for a program. And I'm like, dude, I really think you could benefit from my coaching. Like, you know, I was like, I, I didn't have a really a client that I had talked to online. I just had these guys in person. And I was like, dude, I, I, like I offer this coaching. Like, I think you'd really benefit from this. And he's like, yeah, like I'm in, like I want the full package. And so I remember trying to like figure out a system, like just getting on a Google doc, typing up a program, sharing it over to him. And like now, you know, that system would be completely laughable looking back. But at the time, dude, that's just what, just what I had. It was just the next step. That's just what I did. So yeah. And I just, I kept working at that and I was waking up going and training that in-person client in the morning, working out myself, cleaning the gym, and then going to my nine to five, you know, coming back, sleeping, rinse, kind of repeat deal. And I was just grinding that. And it's kind of started to become the light at the end of the tunnel. I guess I could kind of start to see my way out. Um, but things were still super hard. You know, it was still a fucking grind. It was, it was tough. And it was, but like you said, we didn't really like see the future. It was just like, what's the next step? Like, what do I have to do today? Like, that's what I was really focused on. Like, okay, like, I just knew, like, okay, I got to get up and train this lady and hit the gym and clean up and, you know, go to work. Like, that's just what I kept focusing on. And I remember the one thing that really got me through was recording those videos of me singing in the car. So I used to post them on Instagram. And I remember you did this. And I think that's what got me on it. I would sing on my way to work because I had like a 30, 45 minute drive to work and I would sing and I would post it on Instagram and that was like the highlight of my day. Like I had this just shitty day and that was the highlight. Like I was just like, man, I just really love the music. I love singing. I'm a shitty singer, obviously, but I would just post it on Instagram. But like that got my energy up and then I would step into the office give these guys these compliments, make these relationships. And that's the only reason I told anyone, I said, this is the only reason I could tolerate this job was because of the people here and the relationships I have. Like I truly became friends with people that I never would have became friends with in my entire life. Like some of these people that like just weren't my stereotypical friend, like completely opposite values, beliefs, like, you know, just people with, I mean, you know, I was just a white kid, no tattoos, no piercings, like people like that you would have looked at on the street. I feel like I would have looked at on the street and been like, that's just not someone I'm going to be around. I get thrown into an environment where I'm around people of all types, tattoos, piercings, color did not matter. I just started making friends with everybody and I loved it. Like, I absolutely loved it to the point where I was hanging out with these people outside of work too, you know, and that, that was the biggest thing for me was relationship building. And I really honed that skill, that communication and that relatability with that job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you um, made the most of it for sure. I mean, I, it's just, it was something that could have been even more draining than it already was. If you didn't have, didn't know anybody, didn't like anybody, like nobody liked you. Like you just go in, you're invisible. You get yelled at all day and then you go home and, you go to bed like that's just a, a terrible life to live so you're finding the opportunities to still get the most out of a, a horrible experience and so that you know translates in, over into other areas of life as well so um yeah yeah i mean it's just when you hear it when you hear it all after the fact just looking back on all the decisions and all the steps and all the things that had to happen it's just like wow like 
yes, God was absolutely working, um, but we continued to put one fun in, in one foot in front of the other as well. So it's just like, but in the moment, like I wasn't thinking about that. You know, neither of us, I think, were even thinking about that. Like we were just trying to to figure it out, just constantly trying to figure it out. Like I remember you were going in to train Lupita, your first in person client, the lady that came to the gym. And uh, you were asking me, like, what, well, what should I have her do? Like, I don't even know, you know? Yeah. I don't know what she can do. Like, she's never lived, she's never exercised before. She's never touched a weight, you know? And uh, Claire actually was a huge help for you um, in that mm-hmm. instance because uh, Claire was over there when you were about to go. And Claire had just recently, in the last couple of years, got into weightlifting for the first time as well. And she's like, oh, like, you know, here's what girls, you know, would feel comfortable with like here's what you should probably start with here's how you can assist in certain exercises to make to make it easier for her and, and you just you just did it you're like okay sure <laughs> you just did it and, it and she loved it and it ended up working out really well um but it's just crazy yeah. like you know honestly if claire if claire wasn't there that day that you're about to go train her like we probably come up with some powerlifting bullshit <laughs> that hates, <laughs> and she may never, yeah. you know, like she may not have liked it. She may never come back. Like it's just no, absolutely. Like, so many little things, like so many little things that could have gone differently, didn't, and um, you just got to thank God for it. Like that's just the only, the only and explanation I, for a lot of things that have happened. You know, I remember that day with Claire telling me, like, hey, she's probably not going to be able to do a squat. Like, have her do assisted squats holding onto the rack. Like, Yeah, a bodyweight squat. And I was like, a bodyweight squat? Like, you know, at the time, we're squatting, you know, 300, 400 pounds. Like, I was like, like, what? Like, not going to be able to do a bodyweight squat? And Claire was so right. I got in there. She couldn't She couldn't stabilize herself. She couldn't keep her balance to even do a bodyweight squat. I don't think it was a strength thing. It was just a balance. Like, she didn't have the balance to... And so, you know, we came a long way. I trained her for a year, and she came a long way to eventually not being able to do squats or squatting 135 pounds, and that was crazy, dude. Like, it was just unreal seeing that unfold over the year's time. Even though it felt like a day-to-day just such bullshit grind for me, then now looking back, like, seeing, like, the, the change she made over that year, like, that's just unreal. And we developed a really good relationship, her and I, like to where we were going in and we were talking about, you know, life, talking about movies, like talking about food. you like, you go in some, you like, and I remember at one point, dude, you were like, like, I, you know, I'm a young guy. I'm looking for girls. Like I was trying to go on dates and shit. And you were like, dude, just don't worry about girls. And then, so I stopped worrying about girls really. And then you start making fun of me. You're like, she's the one you spend the, but she's the only girl you spend the time with. Like, she's the girl you spend the most time with. Like. And I was like, dude, like, you fucking asshole, man. Like, I, I put girls to the wayside, and then you start giving me shit for doing that because my female client is the only girl that I spend time with. Like, and I remember you told me, you, you know, you were just like, you basically just set out, like, you saw what I was trying to do. Like, I love Jeeps. You know, we were really stepping into faith. Like, and you were like, I was 18 at the time, and you were just like, you know, you were like, focus on you and build for the next years. And you were like, dude, 21, I, I, I think you said 21, you know, you'll be a, like, Jesus-loving, you know, entrepreneur, like, that can really get any girl you want. That's what you kept saying. You were like, just keep focusing on you. And as hard as that really was, that was great advice that I got at that point. Because what I've come to realize now is 
you're never at that period of time. Number one, you don't have time and energy to devote to a relationship. But the biggest thing is you're not the person that can attract the right person. So, you know, I, I was working some bullshit job. Like I wasn't, you know, I, I'm in way better shape now than I was like, you know, like I wasn't the type of person that was ready to attract the right person. Like, and so that's when, and now like dating McKenzie, like people ask me all the time. Cause like, she's big on Twitter. So all the guys that we connect with on Twitter, they're like, dude, like, how'd you get the girl? You know, she's a big deal on Twitter. I mean, she's a big deal in real life too, but you know, these guys on Twitter, they really like, like idolize people with followers. Like, so like, how'd you get the girl? And I'm like, dude, focus on yourself. Like focus on yourself, like build who you are and that'll attract the right person. And I even had this conversation with a client, like, you're never going to attract the, like, like, do you want a girl who works out? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, okay, you have to work out. Do you want a girl who loves Jesus? Like Christ follower? Like, yes. Okay. You need to love Christ. Like, do you want a girl who's like super supportive? Okay. You need to be supportive. Like, do you want a girl who eats right? Okay. You need to eat right. Do you want a girl who's partying four days a week? No. Like, okay. Then you need to stop partying. Like literally become the person you want. Like the, what you want in another person. And I feel like you could really talk to this. I mean, you're, you just got recently married. You're way further along in a relationship than I am. But at the time, you know, going through that, being a young guy, I feel like a lot of young guys, you know, we're out there, we're chasing tail, dude. And I remember I even saw, I don't know if it was a tweet or somebody, like, if you would put as much energy and time into chasing pussy into your business, you would really be successful. And I was like, damn, like, that's true. That's so true. And so, yeah, I appreciate that advice, advice at that point in my life because that was huge. It was really big. And it even came down to a decision, you know, recently, like not very recently, but like six months to I don't know how long ago. Like I had the opportunity to go on a date with this girl who very pretty. You know, I see that picture and I was like, you know, I turned it down because she was in college. She wasn't the person that I wanted to be to be like, like we just different stages of life. And. But this girl was like gorgeous. Like I was like, like this girl is really gorgeous. Like, I, and my one of my friends had set me up with her, and she was like, she's ready to go on this date. Like, we take her on a date, and I was like, no. Like I remember I turned that down, and that was like a big deal. I remember you, you were like, you know, this is a super mature decision. Like I'm proud of you. And that was tough though because I felt like at the time, you know, a lot of people would have seen me as more if I'd have gone on a date with that beautiful girl at the time. Like even though she was really in the grand scheme of things, just another pretty girl that was in college drinking all the time, like didn't matter. But I really started focusing on what I wanted, my perspective, not how other people perceive me. Yeah. And so I, I just focused on my growth in that point in time. But I know I kind of went off, went off track there, but uh, we know that's going to happen a lot in this podcast. dude. It's definitely going to be a two parter. But uh, let's just go. Let's just go into it to both quitting our jobs. Like, let's just go. I feel like we're riding into it. Let's save it. Let's save it. Just the amount of energy we've poured into this. I'd rather pour that in at a different time when we have. We're gonna blue ball everybody. Everybody listening, I'm sorry, but we got a crazy third episode coming. Yeah, we want to bring the energy to it. We really want to pour, you know, pour what we have out into every podcast that we do. And so, you know, I don't want to undersell. I don't want to undersell our story, and I don't want to do a disservice to everybody else by just, um, you know, just glossing over details and sharing with no energy because we've been on the phone for an hour and a half already, and <laughs> talked for an hour before this already. So <laughs> it's, uh, um, 
Yeah, so we'll we'll definitely get get on and, and, and pick up where we left off. But just to kind of put the bow on that point that you made, it's just, you know, like you said, you have to become the type of person that attracts the person that you want. Like, you you know, you, you don't just change once that person comes along. Like, that's not how it works because that person will never come along because they see what you're doing and they don't – you're not the person for them. You know, like, you yeah. don't just – go out to the bar three, four nights a week and expect the girl who's showing up to church on Sunday and, and hitting the gym on Sunday and, and meal prepping and, um, you know, hanging out with her friends or do, doing whatever. Um, she sees what you're doing and she's like, oh, that guy's not for me. So that's exactly why. Like, it's just God's not going to bring that person into your life until you're actually ready for it. And um, so you have to spend the time to get ready. But yeah, like, you know, for you, I mean, you know, it seems like the obvious decision looking back to avoid the girls and, and, and you know, just focus on you and build the life that you want. But it, uh, I'm sure it was definitely hard even in, in those moments. Way easier said than done. For sure. For sure. Yeah, when you're being invited to parties, because, you know, you still have friends from high school that are in college and they're close. They're yeah. at, they're at, They're in Indy, you know, they're inviting to, to parties and to the football games or probably or you know whatever else it may be like sometimes you just have to say like that's not for me and that's not the person who I want to be so I have to become you know become that as, as soon as I can yeah and that's that's even a you know a podcast for another time of college parties because I did go to a couple and I think some really great things came from that because I ended up starting elevate community at a college party i remember i was literally like telling people to join joey and i were at this party we had the idea telling people to join at the party so we can get into that on another another podcast but um but yeah and another big thing that i really heard was oftentimes you know we don't view our life it's not how we see ourselves and it's not how other people see us it's how we see other people see us. So it's not our perceived value of our own life or other people's perception of our life. It's our perception of their perception of our life. And so that one really helped me get out of all that. For anyone who's struggling, you know, of not picking up girls, of getting into the right lifestyle that they really want to get into, understand that. That it's not how you perceive your own life and it's not how you know, others perceive you. It's really you're living your life based on your perception of their perception of you. So if you can get out of that and live truly how you want to live and how, you know, I believe God comes into a big role there, you know, what God placed you here to do on your mission. Once you start really filling that path, I mean, that's ultimately when you'll start feeling purpose. That's another episode too. But, you know, that's, that's the path you want. That's what you're looking for right there. And that's the path that God's going to be opening opportunities for you on. So. Because most of the time, that perception or what you think that others are thinking of you is not even based in truth. Like, you're yeah. just making assumptions. And so now you're living your life completely based off of some things that may not even be true. Like, you know, the way that you think other people are thinking about you or viewing you or what they're saying about you or just, like, all these different things. Like, you don't even know that that's true until they actually speak that out loud and confirm it. So you're living your life in some fantasy world in your own head, like, you know, completely yeah. made up. It may not even be true. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely dive into these other things and on other 
episode and, and go deeper on you know maybe some of these stories that we kind of just shared um, at a high level on this. But um, yeah. yeah, I think we can just go ahead head into the, the little outro of our other episode <laughs> and wrap it up here. So yeah, guys. So episode number two. That's a wrap. Um, appreciate all you guys listening. Like we said before, we'd appreciate any share to anyone. You know, if you resonate with the story, get anything from this, you know, we'd appreciate that. It means a ton to us. Um, thank you for listening to episode one, episode two. Episode three should be a special guest, I believe, correct? Yeah, probably. Uh, we'll have to pick up with our story since we were expecting to get all of this into two episodes, but... <laughs> we were st- we were stupid. Sorely mistaken, so... We'll, uh, yeah, it, it, it should be the guest or it'll be our story. Who knows? We'll just, we'll just keep it rolling. Whatever, whatever comes on is going to be valuable. And, you know, we wouldn't put it out if we didn't think it's going to help other people or just inspire others to, to level up in, in whatever way. Um, so, yeah, I just thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys. If you stuck around this long, like, you're just a real one. You're a real <laughs> one and we appreciate you. We love you. Um, yeah, feel free to share the show. Like we would just so appreciate that. We're we're pouring everything we have into this, and um, hoping it, that it makes an impact. So love y'all. Yeah, guests coming soon. Let's get it done. But all right, guys, have a great day. Peace. <laughs>